So, Rachel? Yeah? While on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's deadly space pirate. Oh. What do you think you're going to get? I'm looking forward to some great lead costumes with big boots, but I imagine Bernadette will do a spin on pirates. The pirates are going to be pretty laid back because they've already got the upper hand. They're delivering medicine to save a planet which the pirates intend to steal and then sell, let's say. Chapel and Lan will kick some ass and Mbenga will develop treatment based on the information he got last episode. Oh, wow. Some high hopes there. Let's see if they are delivered. (laughs) Rachel watches Star Trek. Personal log, stardate 1997.9. My last few weeks of service at the Unkishtanktil retreat have been productive. It is difficult to guide those who once walked a destructive path back to civilized society, helping them purge the emotions that led to thievery, abuse, even murder. Most challenging has been stealing time for Spock and myself. We are making the most of our long-distance endeavor but I sense in Spock a desire to explore his human side. So I've been attempting to introduce experimentation into our relationship in an effort to, as humans are apparently fond of saying, spice things up. Oh, to bring. <laughs> Love us starting with a sexy to bring personal log. Yeah. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And we're at rachelwatchesstartrek.com and this is our free episode. Thank you, patrons, and thank you, listeners. And here's your fire hose of five-year anniversaries. Happy fifth anniversary, Lieutenant Julia de Cesare. Ensign James Kundart. Triple Lieutenant Commander Alison Scott. And watch out for bonus content featuring Alison. We're doing Eureka this month. Yeah. Lieutenant Jennifer DeFord. Congratulations all. And to Lieutenant Commander Clyde Dunsing III. Lieutenant Tim Fairley. Lieutenant Dennis Newsom. Lieutenant Armin Schmid. Lieutenant Jason Perry. Ensign Donnie Bliss. Lieutenant Commander Jason Rainbird. Lieutenant Joe Webb. Ensign Gail Underiner. Lieutenant Commander Reese Roberts. Lieutenant Louis Carter. Ensign B. McNeil. Lieutenant Commander Jörg Sterner. Lieutenant Wayne Durick. Ensign David Buswell Wibble. Ensign Melinda Busa. Ensign F.B. Lieutenant Stefan Anundi. Ensign Eric Topp. Lieutenant Commander Kurt Orozco. And Lieutenant Commander David Wiley. I was feeling really touched going through these. Obviously, we started Patreon in in September and October. So we had a lot of people join us early on. And I'm so, I'm just so thrilled and feel so lucky (laughs) that all of these people have stayed with us the whole time. I know. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Thank you all so much. Now let's get into this episode, The Serene Squall. I totally enjoyed it. Did you? It was all right. Well, let us get into the story. We have a real criminal rehabilitation center, not a fake one as in a prison, but a place that's actually trying to help people get back into society. Having all kinds of self-care. It's called the Anteshken Katil Retreat. Oh, it is a retreat. Yeah. Located on the third moon of Omnicron Lyrae. Tapring is dressed kind of in an Indian style. Yeah. She observes the efforts of people doing meditation, art, and sand breaking. Yeah, so we've got some Japanese influence in there too. 
She calls Spock up and makes him do a spit take when she starts telling him about all the books on human sex that she's read. <laughs> yeah. The books are Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller, which she calls very male. It's a notorious and candid according to Wikipedia, novel published in 1934 in Paris, but banned in the US and the UK. In 1964, the US Supreme Court declared the book non-obscene, and the UK only published it in the 60s because writers like T.S. Eliot were ready to defend it. It combines autobiography and fiction, meditating on the human condition, with lots of passages describing his sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a movie called Henry in June, which has got... Uh, it's about Henry Miller, Fred Ward, the late Fred Ward, who just passed away, mm-hmm. uh, was in it as Henry Miller. And, uh, you know, he was in that whole scene in the 1920s in Paris. Annalise Nin, they were all there. It's a very steamy movie. Mm. And she helped with editing the book, apparently. Yeah. And from what I've heard, <laughs> I don't know how true it is, is that <laughs> she actually did a rewrite on it. And... Oh, it's too good, is it? Well, for him? Maybe. I don't know. That's just what some some folks have said. I don't know if it's well, true or not. Spring thinks it's very male. Mm-hmm. The next book is Fear of Flying by Erica Young, which she says has a female point of view. Published in 1973, it was just like you. I was published then. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great first edition. <laughs> it was part of the development of second wave feminism. The narrator Isadora is an erotic poet mm, and has an affair. <gasps> Boo. It resonated, said Wiki, with women in unfulfilling marriages and sold 20 million copies. Whoa. Gosh, that's a lot of crappy marriages. Yeah. The title refers to fear of freeing herself from the shackles of traditional male companionship. Mm. Yes, feminism. And finally, we assumed it would be a futuristic book that had happened between now and then, but no, not this time. Yeah. That's not very Star Trek, is it? Star Trek, they always have two historical ones and then one made up one that happened in their history, but our future. Yeah, that's right. Well, this one is The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson, which to bring found more interesting. 2015, it was published Combining Auto Theory and Romance. It's about the complexities and joys of queer family making, Hmm. according to Goodreads. Well, Spock offers to do a book club Mm because he didn't want to think of her making more effort than he is, especially as he's the one who's half human. Yeah. But she thinks it's on her to make the effort to understand his human half. Well, a partner, they're just, well, both of them, they're just fighting each other to be the more, the one who's putting in more effort. I know. It's and so sexy, great. sex effort too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spock's all distracted now, walking with Chapel. Uh, don't ask me for advice again if you're going to go overboard with it. <laughs> like swapping bodies. Yeah. He's concerned to bring his more into his human side than he is because, sure, he's half human, but he was brought up on Vulcan he has raised Vulcan, Vulcan culture. That's all he knows. The human stuff is something he wishes, he wishes to mitigate. Mm-hmm. He's got daddy issues. Well, yeah. It's complicated for him. Such warmth from Chapel as she says it's fun to be friends with Vulcans because they're honest. She says, don't be smarter than the truth, as that's what got him into trouble last time. You know, don't try and work your way around it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try and change things. Just be honest. And that's oh, the right, only right. way you're going to get through stuff. Yeah. And it, oh, she's just... Lovely, isn't she? She is. Holding back all of the feelings she has for him in order to give him good advice again for his relationship. And yeah. Showing how much she values him and other Vulcans as friends for their honesty. Lovely. Meanwhile, Pike is cooking for their guest, Dr. Aspen. Also Spock, Chapel, Una and Dr. Mbenga. Aspen is played by Jesse James Keitel. What a name. Yeah, I know. Wow. She's best known for her lead role in the crime series Big Sky, which is the first openly transgender regular character played by a transgender performer in American television. Oh, wow. And she was in Queer as Folk and Alex Strangelove. Huh. 
She's also done drag as Peroxide. Uh, she's non-binary, as is the character, but she uses she, her. Not sure about the character. Yes. Going to refer to Dr. Aspen as her. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Aspen is running aid missions and the team has encountered a group of colonists stranded on the edge of non-Federation space. Malnourishment and dehydration setting in. Pike can't wait to help and Aspen drops that his nickname is Boy Scout. Huh, he says. Yeah, it's actually in your file, says Una. <laughs> <laughs> so she's where fun goes to die, supposedly, even uh-huh. though she's super fun. And he's Boy Scout. What's wrong with Boy Scouts? <laughs> yeah. yeah Presumably great. just means they're always willing to help. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll dib, dib, dib and dob, dob, dob and do their best. What's going on? That's just English, is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the sector is the Wild West, and they find reports of the Serene Squall, pirates who love destroying aid missions. Aspen used to be a counselor on a Starbase 12, Mm. but it got to her that not everyone who needs help is part of the Federation. So she went into this line of work. Mm, That's a good concept for us, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody who realized not all are being treated equally are having this level of compassion extended to them. We've got another counselor here. Let's see how this works out. They arrive where the colonist ship should be, only to find debris and no life signs. One ship is missing. La'an guesses the colonists may have been enslaved. Spot cautions that if they don't ask permission from Starfleet to enter non-Federation space as they chase the pirates, they'll be on their own. Pike has them drop subspace buoys, and they head off to save some people. What are those? Those are communications buoys. They need these subspace relays because the subspace signals won't go far enough to get Faster than light communication travel. Subspace is the fake way of the fake way of doing it where they're able to put a message into subspace, transmit it, and then the the receivers on the other end will pick it up. So it's gonna be sitting there in space within signal range of the Federation and be able to send signals back and forth to where they're going. Yeah. Hmm. That's That's good. Good bit of tech. Yeah, it's like a a Wi-Fi extender. Okay, yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Spock collects Aspen from her room and discovers her stress relief strategy of dancing to club music, which we can hear coming out before Mm -hmm. she opens the door. And she's got an athleisure wear type of outfit on. Mm -hmm. Looking pretty cool. Although I was quite shocked by the bits of pink on it because she's more of a austere, sort of almost gothy kind of character. Lots of black, lots of dark clothing. Yeah. Spock lays down some logic about anxiety. Which, you know, is always nice when somebody explains to you how you're feeling or should be feeling. And Aspen retorts that not all of them have undergone colon R to purge emotion. We learn that Spock hasn't done this yet, which Aspen seems very interested by, but looks forward to it. Aspen is going to keep advocating in this episode for him to keep his emotions Hmm. and uh, the value of them. On the bridge, they've received a distress signal, which could be a pirate trap, but regulations dictate they have to investigate. Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. we've got Starfleet coming in again. Yeah. Is Pike going to go against them? But it's dangerous. The Enterprise bumps into one of the larger asteroids and an energy net activates around the ship. Tholian Web style. Yes. Remember that? It's not a Tholian Web, though. It's formed by multiple asteroids equipped with high energy electromagnetic reflectors. And as Ortega says, the result of crossing one could be kaboom. The net appears to be shrinking on them and Aspen sees a potential solution. If each asteroid had a reflector, that meant the further they were from the source, the signal would degrade. And whichever the asteroids is emitting the highest amount of energy was likely the source of the beam. Ooh. Spock identifies two and Pike says, go with your gut. And action will mean kaboom. Encouraged by Aspen, 
who is all up in his business this whole time and sort of low-key flirty. And I'm starting to get a bit worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mind for mind, you know, they're a good match, a good team. Uh-huh. But I don't like the the creeping and peeping around him <laughs> too much. You know, I'm worried about him in spring. Sure, yes, of course. He chooses, and of course, he gets it right. A small shuttle is anchored to one of the asteroids, and it begins to follow them. So what was it for, this web? Uh, it was a pirate trap. But wouldn't it have exploded the ship if they'd crossed well, it? Well, they weren't sure, because Spock said, at best, it's going to disable our systems, and at worst, we're going to explode. Just a guess. So, yeah, I would guess that it would either disable the ship, and then the pirates mm. would come in and take their stuff. Got you. In Spock's room, Aspen calls by. Oh, she was just passing. Thought she'd stop in. And she better not be trying to get between him and T'Pring. I know he wouldn't, but I don't even want anyone to try it. Yeah. They discuss how hard going with his gut was for him. Too much like guessing. And we get this. It is illogical. Says here. Says all Vulcans. Well, aren't you half human? That is merely genetics. I was raised on Vulcan. And that's geography. Spock. You know, all species put things into boxes. It's like you're either this or you're that. And sometimes we act a certain way to fit people's expectations, but that's not necessarily who we are. And sometimes, like on the bridge just now, it can limit us. You are proposing I better balance my human and Vulcan natures. I'm saying... Maybe you're neither. That is nonsensical. If I'm not human or Vulcan, what am I? I mean, that's not my question to answer. Sorry. Boundaries. I've just known a few Vulcans as well. Finally with the boundaries. She then tells him not to waste time with the asteroid field, as the trap had not been set by the serene squall, because if it had, they would be dead already. Mm. Ortegas does some fancy flying, meanwhile, and they reach the third colonial ship. Spock detects 200 life signs sealed in the cargo hold, oh dear, and 30 in the ship. Pike, La'an, and a landing party get into tactical gear and beam over to the cargo bay. No colonists. A device was giving off false readings. <sighs> They lose the signal with the Enterprise and they can't be beamed back. And now Chapel is up the Jeffrey's tube like a rat up a drain pipe because <laughs> pirates have been beamed aboard the Enterprise. Oh no, how did this happen? Well, when they beamed over, it gave the other guys a window to beam on. Oh, come on. Surely they must have fixed that glitch by now. Well, yeah, this is a problem I have with this episode. It just seems way too easy for them to take over the Enterprise. Yeah. Like, didn't they? Ha- don't they have security officers on board that would be able to fight the pirates? And mm. you know, it's like I, we didn't see any of that. Going Where's on. Kyle? Where's Kyle? <laughs> Where's Kyle? He should be able to phase some people straight away as soon as they beam in. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like it's a handful of pirates against a whole crew on their own turf. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. well, that's one of my beefs I have with this episode. I re- enjoy it, but that's a little hard for me to swallow yeah that is it yeah i reckon kyle was off being mean to somebody or <laughs> just gone to the vending machine for a nutrigrain or something <laughs> just for a few minutes and then you know you start reading a magazine in the toilet and then everything's gone wrong yeah 
Una orders battle stations and locks down the ship's systems. One of the pirates tosses a flashbang grenade from the turbo lift. Una and Ortegas start shooting at pirates, and Spock shields Aspen. Then he goes full Vulcan on everybody, punching people out, throwing, pinching up a storm, and effortlessly, really. Yeah, he kicks some ass. <laughs> yeah, until he gets an injured Aspen into the lift. So Pike and Landing Party are meanwhile surrounded by the pirate crew. Their leader, a ginger-bearded, green-skinned, yes. piratey Orion named Remy, welcomes them chuckling. He's got some fun eye makeup, like a um, black stripe across his eyes. Yeah, it reminded me of Charisse Theron from oh, yeah. Mad Max. Mad Max, yeah. yeah. That's right. The pirates have rounded up the bridge crew and are taking them to the transporter room. Cut to Pike being smacked about for the codes of the Enterprise. Pike Aww. identifies the female pirate standing behind him as a dissenting voice and immediately gets the idea to manipulate the situation. Gosh, so brave. He's not giving anything up. He's, he never will. No, he won't. And he's already got ideas despite being beaten up. Mm-hmm. There's a disgusting part of this scene that goes on for way too long. Where Remy throws a bit of porridge at Pike's face and it just sits there on his chin like a festering sore <laughs> while they have a conversation of so gross. He even tastes it and comments on what it tastes like. Oh, He's tied up though, so he can't wipe it off of his face. Yeah, that's true, but just for my benefit, please, yeah. somebody let it fall off. Uh, anyway, by tasting it, he realizes Remy's cooking is terrible and that's another way he can undermine him. So he boldly offers to cook for the crew before they discuss the codes and they go for it. Dum-dums. <laughs> a little preposterous, but I've, I'm just, I'm in. They're I'm going sick for of it. gruel. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Chapel accesses a computer terminal trying to send a distress signal, but she can't because it's all locked down. And then she's caught by two pirates and she pleads with them not to hurt her. I've got no weapons. I'm a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Get a bit of great dramatic irony because we can see she's got a hypo spray up her sleeve. Totally implausibly, she's able to take out two armed pirates with this, even though one of them's at a distance and they sort of take it in turns to come at her. But she does. And she's a badass. And surely he would have at least bitten off her finger because she, she holds his face so that she can get to his neck. Yeah. <laughs> Very silly. Well, she's following the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, unless it's kicking some serious ass. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, that's it, right? Uh, Pike is serving up grub on the pirate crew, wearing a little apron. And I love how the pirates just have this apron <laughs> lying around, you know, because they cook too. They just don't want to get their outfits dirty, even though they're completely dirty already. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Pike brings an apron with him on every away mission. <laughs> he might have done this before. That's more likely. This is step one on what we're going to see later. <laughs> Uh, he serves, he serves food to everybody and he talks to Remy saying stuff like, I like how you ignore the crew not respecting you. Oh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of shady. It's the battle of the captains. Yeah. He's, but he's making it like, I respect you because you don't care what they think, even though he's undermining him. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And they must have some good ingredients there that they've stolen because Pike makes something really nice. So yeah. they've got some cumin, they got a bit of za'atar, you know, they, he's going to otolengi the place up. Yeah. They could have. But they didn't. Just get on Google. That's what, well, they don't have Google in <laughs> the wild west of space. That's right. He says the Federation is not going to let the flagship just disappear. They're going to go after the Enterprise full force. So it, you're foolish to be taking, you're bringing on the whole anger of the of the entire Starfleet. And Remy says, oh, well, it'll be sold by the time Starfleet ever hears about it. Mm, and who will pay for it and right, get, the staff, get Starfleet after them. And then Remy says, well, the Klingons, and they'll love some Federation slave labor. Oh, no. 
But Pike says dealing with the Klingons is no easy matter, but Remy insists he has it under control. But meanwhile, all the pirates have heard this. Yeah, they're like, what? Klingons? Uh, we didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Spock and Aspen make it to sick bay, but the ship is locked down and Spock will have to go to engineering. Aspen's treated for being phasered and says her husband, who was Vulcan, and now we're getting to it, was killed by these pirates and she's afraid of them and thinks they should abandon ship. Spock gives her a phaser and tells her, you know, you might not think you're a fighter, but I beg to differ. So let's do this. By now, she's wearing a black, high-necked, skin-tight jumpsuit with velvet pattern on it. And by the way, she's got a facial tattoo, kind of a delicate one, on the same side of the face as a load of earrings. So just visualise that if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And um, very sleek, bobbed hair. Yeah, looks good. Back on the squall, Pike is tossed into the cage with the rest of the gang. Pike tells them he's convinced them to sell the crew to the Klingons. And everybody goes, what? And number one says, oh, no, not Alpha Braga 4. And Pike <laughs> smiles and says, oh, yeah, Alpha Braga 4. <laughs> Yay. And Lon asks, what the hell is that? And Una says, Pike is inciting mutiny. It's a heist. Of sorts. <laughs> I'll take it. It's not really a heist, but okay, yeah, no. sure. Spock and Aspen reach engineering to find Nurse Chapel has already taken out all the guys down there. Spock is able to unlock the lockdown on their computer, saying his code out loud, his private special code that makes it known that it's him giving the instruction. Come on, Spock. And once he does, Aspen pulls phases on him. She's in on it. Aww. And she's not only in on it, she's not Aspen. She's Captain Angel of the Serene Squall. <sighs> I didn't see it coming. Oh, you didn't? I, I was concerned about her getting in the way of the romantic relationship, not um, being yes. the, the baddie in this way. Uh, now she's got the Enterprise and has a lovely time sitting in the captain's chair. And we see a change in demeanor from the restrained and slightly flirty to the bragging villain. Yeah, I wasn't over the top I was but we'll yeah. go to that in entertainment yeah yeah Angel brings Spock and Chapel into the bridge and explains that the real Dr. Aspen was left marooned on a planet with the rest of her team D uh, Captain Angel is not a monster she says mm. the colonists were fake a deception to lure the Enterprise there Spock wants to know what she's going to do with the Enterprise and she says oh I'm not here for the Enterprise I'm here for you I knew it <laughs> 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 You're still on it. Yeah. Back at the rehab center, T'Pring is wandering around working, I guess, mm -hmm. when she gets a call from Angel and we see her on the big screen on the bridge. Angel says that T'Pring needs to bring a prisoner called Zavarius to the Enterprise in exchange for Spock. Well, for Spock's life, really. Mm -hmm. T'Pring says it's against the law and it would dishonor her family if she released one of the prisoners and she could go to jail. Angel points out that she's oath-bound to protect Spock and she must do this or he will die and then she cuts communications. Spock says T'Pring won't do it and Angel is sure that she will. Mm. Chapel asks what this guy is about. Like, what, why do you want him? And Angel says that she loves him. This, oh. Vul this Vulcan prisoner is her love. Because she will do anything <laughs> for love and she will do that. <laughs> but what has he done? <laughs> And what will he do? Oh, yeah. But kind of still, the threat is not really for our characters, but for T'Pring and Spock's relationship and for T'Pring's integrity. That's, yeah. Those were the stakes for me at that point. Yeah, you could care less about the crew. Oh, no, God, I don't really, <laughs> didn't really think anything was going to happen to them. Yes, but still, this guy could be released and, yeah. rele and, and unleash all kinds of hell because mm -hmm. we've had bad situations before. That's true. On the squall, they're heading to a Klingon outpost to sell the cargo the crew oh. and 
And Pike and Mbenga talk loud enough to be overheard about how dangerous the Klingons are and how these pirates are going to get themselves killed or worse. It's the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> a female crew member, the one that we saw before, sees, seems unsettled by this. And they say, look, if you need help overthrowing Remy, then, you know, we'll help you out. That is bold. Wow. Well, <laughs> well, they got stakes in it. They don't want to be sold to the Klingons. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. The pirate is skeptical, but you can see that she's thinking about it and walks away. Hmm. Una and Pike smile at each other again. Alpha brag of four. And they're pretty confident, aren't they? Yeah. You kind of want to see a montage of all the times that they've done this. Alpha brag of four? <laughs> yeah. A Vulcan cruiser arrives to meet the Enterprise to Pring Caved. She did it, yeah. Yikes, yeah. She will do anything for love. And she will release prisoners. She will release prisoners for love. <laughs> Clients. There you go. Spock tells Chapel he figured out who the prisoner is. He went by another name. Spock tells T'Pring to destroy the ship. What, the Enterprise? Yeah. Good grief. Who is this person? <laughs> Genghis Khan? But, but Angel stuns him. When he comes to, he can see they're ready to make the transfer. But he stops it. He's on the bridge still, you know, coming yeah. to, and tells T'Pring on the call that he's been unfaithful and he's having an affair with Chapel. Or he's, al he's already told Chapel, just go along with it and sorry. Yeah. For what I'm about to do. Don't be messing with Chapel's heart like this. <laughs> well, Can't anybody tell him that this is what's going on? Because it's so obvious. Everybody's life is on the line. So oh, I think, right, yeah. you know, it's okay. <laughs> and Angel just laughs this off as a desperate ploy. But then he gives Chapel a super hot kiss with tongue. Yeah. They really to... mac. They full on do. And yeah. you can see she's so into it. And T'Pring seems convinced. Spock tells her they should call off their engagement. And she agrees all very... Unemotionally, of course. Yeah, they're Vulcans. Very reasonably. And we get this. The Bring. Parted from you and never parted. Never and always touching and touched. I sever what once. With these words, Spock, you are freed of our part. I hold it broken, the Bring. You know I'm still going to kill him. He has made his choice. And I have made mine. Goodbye, Spock. Goodbye, to Prim. Oh, it's just the same as their usual greeting, more or less, and that's really sad. And they do a special hand gesture, including a kind of swipe away yeah. gesture. Oh. Angel tells her crew to attack the Vulcan ship, but none of their controls work. Yes. What is going on? They detect the serene squall is there, but it is crewed by... Pike and Company. Hey. They have overridden the Enterprise's controls remotely, a la Wrath of Khan. Do you remember how they did that with the Reliant? Um. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Sounds great, though. Remember when they kept Khan busy saying they were looking for the files oh, of yeah. the... And then yeah, were, yeah, now I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was good. Yeah. yeah, that was real good. Same thing. Yeah. They've got a little skinny bridge on the Serene Squall that's, that's cool. It's like one of those, you know, small kitchens. Yeah. Little galley kitchen. <laughs> yeah, they're really crammed in there. Yeah. The pirates look to Angel at what to do because they're kind of stuck now. And she pulls out her necklace and then beams away to that hidden ship that we saw earlier <gasps> that was on the asteroid. And she escapes. Oh, that's not a captain move. No. Una explains that they need to beam back as soon as possible because the mutiny is actually still ongoing. <laughs> we may have taken control of the bridge prematurely, they say, as the shots are fired outside the bridge. The bridge has kind of got a cage around it. Yeah. It's, it was good. It was funny. I yeah, liked it. Funny. The pirates surrender, but Angel is nowhere to be found. Back in his chair, Pike does his best Robert Guy Newton accent. 
I don't know who that is. He was the actor that played Long John Silver in the <gasps> Treasure Island movie, the whole origin of the pirate accent. Oh, there you go. Because so he's he, Irish Cornwall. He's from Cornwall. Okay. And <laughs> oh, he was like, like, he was doing a, a thick Cornwallian accent. Right. And that is, you know, army matey. That's yeah. the whole thing. So Pike's doing that, which is really funny. And because nobody reacts, everybody just ignores him. And <laughs> well, he keeps going until Una just says, please stop. It's probably not the first time that they've done all of this. And he's <laughs> topped it off with that. He's He really does have a dad vibe. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also the nurturing dad aspect to it. You know, yeah. he takes care of people. He cooks for them. He does, you know, I, I like I like that aspect. But I like that nobody's sucking up to him by laughing at it. Because no. they don't have to, do they? No, no. Yeah. He'll love them no matter what. That's it. Oh. Maybe that's why my kids don't laugh at my jokes. That's right. That's it. They're not hungry for my approval. <laughs> yeah. Because they already have it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, little jerks. My kids keep making fun of my pirate accent and saying it's the same as my Irish accent. <laughs> I say it's very different. <laughs> Because <laughs> this one's got R's in it. <laughs> More R's in it. <sighs> to bring comes to Spock's quarters. Oh, she's come over. Yeah. And he apologizes and tries to tell her he was not unfaithful. But she's like, yeah, duh, I know. It was obviously a ploy. You wouldn't do that. I know you. Also, you're not into chapel. You never would be. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Spock is relieved and they decide to do a rebonding ritual. Sex. Spock says, oh, that's logical. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Spock goes down to sickbay and apologizes to Chapel. Good on him. Yeah. He says, I thought because you're human, you'd want to talk about your feelings. And he knows that it would have affected her. Yeah. 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 Uh, just wants to make sure they're cool. And Chapel says they are. But you can tell she's got the hearts for him. Yeah. He says she's a good friend and she says the same. But then we end with this. Spock, one last thing. You said that on the bridge, you suddenly realized the identity of the prisoner that Angel was trying to free. Yes. Things they say were specific to one Vulcan in particular. Who? Ambassador Sarek had a childhood of wedlock. He, although full Vulcan, has rejected the teachings of logic. He's one of the Batashkater. Yes. Isn't Ambassador Sarek your father as well? Yes. I believe the various to be an assumed name. I believe the Vulcan angel was attempting to free. Is someone I was told to avoid at all costs. My half brother, Cyborg. <gasps> Whoa. After years of my letter writing campaign, I never thought it would pay off. I had given up hope. The fans would ever be able to have Cybok back in the Star Trek universe. And my dreams have come true. Oh, we. A character from the worst Star Trek movie ever made. Yeah. There's a whole lot of us Cybokers out there. Oh, are there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, right, right. Cybok's back. Oh, well done, everybody. <laughs> you did it. I want to do a few four-year two-year and one-year anniversaries. Yeah. Now we've got concepts sponsored by our four-year anniversary patrons. Lieutenant Eric Johnson. Lieutenant Jeff Lister. Lieutenant Leanne Brown. Lieutenant Commander James Candelino. And Lieutenant Theron Bretz. Thank you all so much. Well, everyone's into Spock's human half. He's just really not that bothered about it. Yeah. Angel used it to manipulate him. I said she did. Yeah. Well, the thing is, 
Cybok is her sugar daddy, mm. her honeydew. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. What? <laughs> but he is obviously keen on the emotions. So she's going to be siding with him on this theory that Vulcans should be embracing their emotions and right. doing that type of stuff. So she's drinking that Kool-Aid. And I think that's interesting. One of the things that she says in there that was good is that he's neither Vulcan nor human. He is something else. He's Spock. And he's got to quit trying to put himself in one or the other. He is his own thing. Yeah, but the problem I have with that is that when they were doing Spock Amok and the body swap thing, yeah, he said that he'd been valued as Spock this whole time. Yeah. That's what he's, he gets out of being in Starfleet. So he's already he's already got there. Yeah. Now he's not there anymore. Well, when people have these revelations as a therapist, <laughs> do they just go, oh, yeah, everything's fine now? It doesn't or... always stick. It would for Spock, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing fine. Just rack off, Angel. He's he's great as he is. I think it was interesting, though. And yeah. I, I like that idea about the non-binary aspect of you know being something or being anybody, yeah. being a person. And I thought that was, you know, there is a spectrum Yes, very good point. Yeah. And parallel to being a non-binary person. Yeah. Yeah. And not having to stick by rules laid down for you by one gender or the other, one race or the other. Yeah, one Find culture. your own way. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, we got Chapel's feelings again, being trampled all over. Although Spock did try and do some aftercare, which is... Which is good. They're not being trampled over. (laughs) She's attracted to somebody that is in a relationship. So, you know, oh well. Yeah, but then he kissed her, didn't he? Well, he kissed her to save everybody's life. He gave a preamble for it. He wasn't doing it to run her around. He was doing it because it needed to be done. Right, but why couldn't we have had him kissing Pike? Because Pike was in prison. Oh, yeah. Who else is there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in love with crewmen. Well, because he knew that she would go along with it because yeah. they're friends. You know, he's like, okay, I got a gambit. And he knows that she's clever and she's going to figure out what he's doing. Yeah, that's right. If he, you know, crewman Bob pulled yeah. him over, crewman Bob would be like, what the hell's no, going I'm on? I'm married I, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm really coming to the defense of this episode. Yeah, you are. We had mutiny manipulations. They were doing them again. And yeah. it was fun to hear that this is a regular thing for Una and Pike. And also a bit of an investment in their relationship, which we've been looking forward to. Yeah. A bit of comedy between them as well. Mm-hmm. And the confidence of it. The yeah. grief. The ovaries and the cojones just flying around. We also had the importance of Pike's cooking skills as a captain, which was our one of our introductions to him. Yeah. The first was him as a beardy backwoodsman. But right. then on the ship, it was him cooking for the crew and didn't realize how much that influences his relationship with people. Yeah. His well, ability to command. It's a tool that he uses to connect with people because everybody eats. Yeah. That's a, that's a common denominator of all alien species that they've run into is everybody's got to eat something so i think that's pretty cool it also reminds me of in tabletop role-playing games how you'll have these kind of obscure skills for your characters that you never use but then you try and shoehorn them into the story because Hmm. you've you spent points on them when building your character and you want to use it so it's like yeah i got this cooking score of 80 percent, so i'm gonna use it here yeah the game master's like well if you want to slow down the story okay sure (laughs) fine Cybok's back, or he's going to be, by unpopular demand. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what they're going to make of this. What can 
kind of trouble is he going to cause for his bro? And we'll find out, won't we, whether it's a good idea to repress your emotions or not as a Vulcan. Mm -hmm. We had rehabilitation of prisoners, the, the most dangerous prisoners, and they're being treated with art, meditation, yeah. zen, raking, gardening, you know, mm -hmm. which is great, isn't it? And hopefully it works well. It's probably not working very well on Cybok, though, is it? No. And I'm sure, surely, there must be people in the galaxy complaining that, um, you know, it's like a five-star hotel and they've done all these crimes and all I get is... A five-star hotel five that I live in. Because everybody lives in a five-star oh, right. hotel because we're in a utopian society. You don't have to work and you could just go to a retreat. Yeah. A web between asteroids. It was a trap, mm -hmm. again, from yeah. some pirates, we think. But instead of Cybok coming back... Where's George and Gracie? That, that's who I want to see again. Get them in a little uniform and um, have them up in set, cetacean oh, ops. Oh, my God. Love that them. That would be great. How would that work? Uh, I I don't know. Um, maybe some of you can theorize a way that George <laughs> and Gracie can come back before that they came to the future. Right. Because this is, you know, 20, 30 years before that happened. So, yeah, I don't know. It. It's if Star Trek. Anything could happen. <laughs> yeah. So what's your score for Just concepts? Work that out. Five. Uh, I'm going to give it a six because I yeah. I liked all the, the stuff with Spock and thinking about, you know, him being neither this nor that being something else. And I know they touched on the last episode, but I, I still dig it. So I'm yeah. giving it a six. That, that was close to convincing me to give more. But at the time watching it, I wasn't no. really feeling that stuff. Entertainment. Strong performances. As usual, and mm -hmm. some comedy as well. Yeah. Really enjoyed all of that. Um, Angel, I thought, mm -hmm. swung too far from Vulcan-esque, low-key, flirty to hammy and evil. Yeah. Or maybe it was just fun. It was a parody of an evil type of wow. person who's suddenly displaying all of their confidence. But then again, yeah, I that can be fun. That can be fun. I, for me, it felt like stereotypical almost like mm. it's like what you would expect a villain to be and i was hoping for i don't know something more something different like a yeah. different type of like i thought she was great as the counselor yeah i was really into that character and then when she turned out to be a villain but the her villain persona just seemed kind of you know tropey like it mm. kind of has been done i didn't would not have the same complexity yeah i just didn't set sit well with me for yeah. some reason there was something that could have been in the writing as well yeah yeah and jesse james said i understand that queer people have had a really long and complicated history with tv and film and they've been mistreated in the media that being said i think it's high time we let queer people be villains you know so obviously okay. there's been a lot of queer coding with villains in disney for example that sure. we've discussed jesse's saying you know, that shouldn't mean that we never get to play villains. Right, yeah. We had an Indian vibe of the rehab. Indian, Japanese, you know, mm -hmm. Eastern. Sort of place you could imagine the Beatles would have gone to. <laughs> Bit of a middle of the road episode. No job for Uhura this time. Where was she stationed yeah. during all this? I don't mind though. We don't need to see her every single episode doing a job. Good to see Pike and Una working together though. Wasn't particularly invested in any of it. So five. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a little bit more than you, so six. Okay. Sexiness. Spock just, he can't help himself. He just is. Yeah. Dr. Aspen slash Angel mm -hmm. had a sexiness about her. A little bit too much for me because I was obviously protective of the relationship, <laughs> but <laughs> she was sexy Yeah. and being sexy. Uh, Spock and T'Pring rebonding and her reading sex books and them deciding to have a 
erotic book club together. Yeah. Not a hint of embarrassment from her as no. she's uh, discussing all of this stuff. Love no, it. No. But Chapel's feelings getting hurt. No, I'm not keen on that. <laughs> 3.5. Yeah, I think it was particularly uh, sexy. 3.5. Stupid experts. Well. Stupid Kyle, where was he whenever <laughs> all these pirates were beaming in? My whole beef with this episode is that the ease that the Enterprise was overtaken was pretty. Yeah. Pretty unbelievable for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, what? And I know they're going to get it. I know they're going to get the ship back. But maybe if they spent a little bit more time or a better explanation on how they were able to get over so easily, mm. that would have been good. But Yeah, and stupid transporter for not picking up that Dr. Aspen wasn't Dr. Aspen. Isn't yeah. there a way to pick up an imposter when they transport in? There is if they check the records, but maybe the records were altered. Mm. Maybe Cybok has got a lot of friends in the Federation. He was able to go in and switch records around. Oh, and gosh. And then stupid Spock, I hate to say it, but it's true, mm. for saying his secret code in front of two people, including somebody who's not, you know, a crew member. Yeah. And I thought, well, no, I guess in old Star Trek, they did just have codes. It wasn't voice recognition. Or did they have voice recognition? Well, I'm trying to remember when they blew up the Enterprise in Star Trek Three. I don't know if it was that Angel then had his code or if it was just that it was then... Unlocked. unlocked and she could do yeah, whatever she wanted, she wanted to do. Yeah. yeah could have done with doing a mind meld with her but there was no real justification for no, that oh <laughs> you don't want to get into people's minds we needed troy or someone better than troy to be there yeah two for stupid experts uh yeah two guesses i thought that we'd have some kind of lead costumes with big boots the fake captain the orion was the most piratey yeah. as well as the mutiny leader the woman but Angel had a very different take on it because she wasn't there to portray Pirate. Yeah. yeah. Said the Pirates would be pretty laid back because they've already got the upper hand. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, right. Thought the Enterprise would be delivering medicine and the Pirates would steal it. No. Thought Chapel and Lan would kick some ass. Yeah, Chapel did. Yeah. Lan didn't have that much to do this episode. No. Ortegas did some cool flying and a bit of banter, yeah. by the way. That was mm -hmm. some nice moments for her. And I thought Mbenga would be working on the treatment for his daughter and maybe using that in this episode. No. I would like to say a huge thank you to Peter Larson and congratulations, of course, for promoting yourself <laughs> to Triple Lieutenant Commander. <laughs> Woo! So kind of you. Thank you for your support. Thank you so much. You're a treasure, dude. So I just also want to thank some of our two-year anniversaries, Lieutenant Christine McCarthy and Lieutenant Derek Thompson. And of course, we've got a couple one-year anniversaries. Ensign Zachary Jacobs. Lieutenant James Morrow. Lieutenant Commander Crypto Cartographer. And Ensign Ted. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. So happy to have you here on your anniversary. Next week, we are back to Next Generation with The Drumhead, which is a very good episode, I seem to remember. Mm -hmm. See you there. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!